Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I spent four years, eight years really, looking forward to January 20th, 2009. I just want to begin this morning, the, the Sunday after, by giving thanks. And in celebration of living to see this day, I invite each of us to recommit ourselves to the work of the founding vision of the United States, freedom and justice. In his inaugural address, President Obama recalled the words of Patriot Thomas Paine, spoken just before Christmas in 1776 at a moment our president said, when the outcome of our revolution was most in doubt. Let it be told to the future world, said Thomas Paine, that in the depth of winter, when nothing but hope and virtue could survive, that the city and the country, alarmed at one common danger, came forth to meet it. My hope and my prayer is that in our spiritual lives, in our personal lives, in our public lives, in every endeavor, we will come forth with hope and virtue and do our part to realize the vision expressed in the United States Constitution to make our union more perfect. The four freedoms were first articulated by President Roosevelt in 1941. Can you name them? Carmen Griggs. (laughs) A group of friends and I easily came up with the first two well-known to all United States citizens and protected by the First Amendment, freedom of speech and freedom of religion. The second two, which FDR proposed as fundamental freedoms humans everywhere in the world ought to enjoy, are harder to recall, although I invite you to join me and join Carmen in memorizing them this morning. They are freedom from want and freedom from fear. Freedom of speech and religion and freedom from want and fear. I find these last two freedoms implicit in the preamble to the Declaration of Independence, the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But President Roosevelt made them explicit and public policy, all dealing, albeit with stunning exceptions, has been guided by them ever since. Today I encourage us to consider deeply our faithful commitment to these freedoms. 
This past Monday morning in celebration of Dr. King's birthday, at the invitation of our new president, many of us participated in what I hope will be the first annual National Day of Service. Here at Arlington Street, Susie Nako had the idea that we might team up with Volunteers of America and make lunches for our hungry and homeless neighbors. All it took was Rob Cuddy saying yes to joining Susie in organizing the event, Arlington Street Church, in your good name, opening to serve as a distribution site and making a donation to purchase food, and a critical mass of volunteers. I had imagined that a relatively small, dedicated group could make a dent. Driving into town, my truck loaded with hundreds of dollars of groceries purchased at a food warehouse, which as you heard from John this morning, is a lot of food. I reflected that more often than not when I find myself at the church on a day off, it's to join in some kind of protest. What a relief for once not to be protesting. <laughs> what a relief to be saying yes. But when I got to the church, the parking lot was empty and the building appeared deserted. Rationally, I knew I was early. But irrationally, the thought came unbidden. What if it's too late? What if we have given in to the bondage of want and fear and can't find our way back to virtue and hope? What if the damage is irreparable? Just as I began to unload the groceries, and before my mind went to what it might be like to make and distribute lunches for 500 people all by myself, <laughs> once again, I was lifted up by one of the most extraordinary energy sources on Earth, the resiliency of the human spirit. No less than a small parade rounded the corner from Boylston Street onto Arlington and marched right into the alley. With one simple suggestion, I said, let's make a conveyor belt into the church. The parade became an army of helping hands with vats of peanut butter and boxes of chips, loaves of bread and crates of apples passed down into the kitchen. I wish I could describe what happened next. There were a few hours of a spectacular blur of activity. Laura Yvonne Steinman's classroom had contributed another carload of groceries, even marshmallow fluff, fluff, and I don't know how much bread we'd already gone through when Mickey Rondassa made two runs for 20 more loaves, and then cartons upon cartons of bag lunches went out the door, carried by teams of people dispatched to corners of the city where folks might be hungry. And so it was that dozens of volunteers on a day off from our jobs gathered downstairs in the parish hall, gathered in hope and virtue, and gave ourselves the call of freedom from want. If you missed it, my prayer for you is that you don't miss it again. When we give ourselves to something greater than ourselves, so much is possible, starting with sheer joy. Let's not miss it. 
My friend Jessica McWade writes a blog dedicated to the blessings and curses of leadership. Recently, she wrote a piece about the infamous Milgram experience. Stanley Milgram was a Yale psychologist determined to understand why seemingly decent German citizens supported Hitler. In 1963, he found that otherwise ordinary New Haven residents followed the instructions of a man in a lab coat wearing a badge who told them to administer increasingly violent electric shocks to people in another room who failed to answer quiz questions correctly. The shocks were not real, but despite fantastic acting, 80% of participants administered 150 volt shocks, and 65% pushed the punishment right up to 450 volts. Jessica McWade goes on to say that at the time, now more than 45 years ago, these experiments left people wondering again how it was possible for good people to lose sight of right and wrong in the presence of authority, however twisted. I'm sorry to say that most unfortunately this experiment was just replicated by Jeffrey Berger of Santa Clara University, this time 70% delivered a 150-volt shock on command. The good news is that 70% isn't 80%. The bad news, the very bad news, is that 70% is 70%. Jessica McWade writes that whatever it is in human beings that finds us ready and willing to follow terrible orders has been recklessly exploited by the likes of Mussolini, Mao and Mugabe, and prescribes the foil of strengthening our lives, our laws, our educational approaches, our social systems, and media coverage. I would suggest that we also focus on cultivate better, better leaders. After all, people also followed Moses and Mahatma Gandhi. We need to grow better leaders. And while we're at it, we need better religions. I'm serious. We need better religions. Religions that teach the inherent worth and dignity of every being. <laughs> we need religions that teach us that we are, each of us, an inextricable part of a profoundly interconnected web. And we need to practice those religions, dedicate ourselves to lives of faithfulness, to love, service, justice, and peace. Not love for those who look like us, but for all. Not service for those who think as we think, but for all. Not justice only for some, but for all. And peace. Peace for all. I'm hoping that this is ringing a bell, that you are the bell, that we are the bell, ringing and resonating with our very lives. There have been countless wonderful references to President Lincoln in these past months. But looking ahead to life with this new administration, long before President Obama invoked Concord on Inauguration Day, 
my thoughts have turned further back by almost 100 years to the opening of the Revolutionary War. You'll remember that King George was crippling the colonies, which were unrepresented in the British government, crippling them with taxation. There ensued a series of small rebellions, including what may well have been the first guerrilla street theater in the New World, the Boston Tea Party. Samuel Adams and company boarded British ships and dumped 10,000 English pounds worth of tea into the harbor. I did the math today, that would be about $923,000 worth of tea. These rebellions led up to the outbreak of opened armed conflict on April 19, 1775. The British marched on the colonies, preceded by an elaborate warning system of alarm and muster, including Samuel Prescott, the only rider to make it to Concord, the mythology of Longfellow's Paul Revere's Midnight Ride notwithstanding. Farmers from the west, as far away as Lowell, abandoned their plows, took up muskets, and marched to the banks of the river at the North Bridge. The ragtag Minutemen drove the British regiment back to Boston, and eventually back to England in defeat. We've known for years that we need a new American revolution. How extraordinary to have elected a leader who agrees. To have the opportunity, as I said, not to protest, but to work with our elected leadership, to give ourselves with hope and virtue to the work of building a new heaven and a new earth. Elizabeth Alexander's inaugural poem, Praise Song for the Day, calls us to that possibility and to our potential. It concludes, some live by love thy neighbor as thyself, others by first do no harm or take no more than you need. What if the mightiest word is love. Love beyond marital, filial, national, love that casts a widening pool of light, love with no need to preempt grievance. In today's sharp sparkle, this winter air, anything can be made, any sentence begun. On the brink, on the brim, on the cusp, praise song for walking forward in that light. My spiritual companions, a praise song for this day for this new time, so long awaited, which we begin together today. May we do our best to embody hope and virtue. Mindful of the blessings of freedom of speech and freedom of religion, may we give ourselves to the work of freedom from want and freedom from fear. In this extraordinary time, the brink, the brim, the cusp. May we answer the call to our possibility and to our potential. 
May ours be a new religion for the new American revolution, a religion, a revolution of love, service, justice, and peace.